Hey, this is Kevin here. Welcome back to our online church podcast here with Thrive Church. Thank you so much for joining us online to listen to our message content today. We hope you enjoy our series that we're digging into called Greater Than the 99. And if you will too, make sure you download our Thrive Church app and also subscribe to our YouTube page at Thrive Church VA. Thrive Church VA. And also follow us on social for all the updates and everything happening at Thrive Church. Now on today's message. Happy Sunday. Guess what day it is? It's Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. It is amazing to think that there are millions upon millions of believers all worshiping together around the globe, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hundreds of thousands of churches are laying down their denominational uh, you know, doctrines or laying down all the walls, and we're all celebrating this one historical event together. And what I'm most excited about is that you have chosen to join us, Thrive Church, online on Easter Sunday. If you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Uh, how many of you actually look at your Facebook memories uh, intentionally? Like, so what you do is you go to your little, the little tab and you pick it up and you look through your memories intentionally. There are a few things I do in the mornings. The first thing I always do is check the weather, right? I want to know what is the weather saying? How do I need to dress? But the other thing I do is I always check Facebook memories. Because what I love about Facebook memories is this. It's not just the really cool memes. I'm like, wow, that was really funny a year ago. But the most important thing I look for are memories about my life with my family. And so there's so many times I'll look back on a memory like with my son and see how little he was. And he was, you know, saying, you know, dad, dad for the first time or whatever it was in those memories that we captured on social media. And what happens in that moment is something pretty spectacular. Here's what I then begin to do. That memory of that time makes me actually cherish the moment of today even more. And so I look at that memory. I'm like, man, he was so cute. That was so, and I say, wow, how fast time flies. I need to spend more time with my son. And it does something special in the moment to me. And what I want to do on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday for 2020, what I want to do is I want us to also have the same thing happen in our hearts when it comes to the gospel. If you've been walking with us the past couple of weeks, we've been in Luke chapter 15. We've been looking at this parable of the prodigal son. We've been look, we looked at the elder brother. Last week was the patient father. And today we're going to look at that son himself, that prodigal son. Now, now it's interesting to note, as I've been sharing with you, who wrote this gospel. It was a guy named Luke. He was actually a doctor in the first century. He followed uh, uh, the Apostle Paul and worked with the Apostle Paul. He joined Christianity later. And he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts by doing careful research. Because he wanted the people in the first century to understand that Christianity was based on historical events and facts of eyewitnesses. It was not myths and fairy tales. And so what Luke does in Luke 15 is he records this trilogy of teaching by Jesus. Jesus is teaching about the lost uh, coin, the lost sheep, and then finally the lost son. And Luke records this. And what's really fascinating is, is that Luke records this intentionally. Number one, Jesus wanted to get across to his listeners. When he taught this, he was teaching to the Jews that were listening to him. 
And they had this belief, they had this understanding that, that the Jewish religious leaders were actually more valuable to God than them, the ordinary people. Can I tell you that pastors are not more valuable to God than you are if you're not a pastor? But that's what they believed in their day and time. They believed the Jewish priests were actually more important and viable to God. And actually, if you had strayed from God and you weren't, weren't obeying the Torah and you're crossing all the T's and dotting all the... If you weren't doing all that, you weren't viable to God. So Jesus teaches in Luke 15 this trilogy to his listeners to help them understand their value to God. And, and, and especially if they had strayed from God, if they didn't feel good enough. So he shares, first of all, this woman who had a hundred coins. She loses one coin, and she goes after that one coin and leaves the 99. Sweeps her a whole house clean, looking for one coin. Then he shares the story about a sheep and a shepherd, which was something they could, uh, you know, visualize in their day and time. And they knew sheep, and they knew shepherds. And he shares the story of this shepherd who has a hundred sheep. One leaves. He could be like, hey. Peace out, man, I'm going to you know, take care of the ones I got. This shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one sheep. And then Jesus finishes with a story about humans to help them understand this story about a family, to understand what it looks like in our context. And here's what Jesus was trying to get across to them. You are valuable to God, and God will chase you down. He will run after you, and he will pursue you because he loves you that much simultaneously Luke being the Gentile, the non-Jew that was writing, wanted to also get across to his listeners this here. Hey, if you're a Gentile and you feel like that you're less than in God's eyes, that you, you know, that you can't be as good as a Jew, he also wanted to get across to them that Gentiles are viable to God too because Luke was in that struggle of Jews and Gentiles in the first century church and where was the, where was the non-Jews place? Where did they rank with Jews? And so Luke had all this going on here and Jesus teaching the parable of the prodigal son. And so as we look at Luke 15, today we're going to focus on the part of the son and what happened to him. So if you have your copy of God's word, look at Luke chapter 15, verse 13. And it says this, the son had asked his dad, remember about the inheritance? He said that I want my inheritance now, which means he's saying to his dad, I wish you were as good as dead to me. You are dead to me. Give me my inheritance. I'm leaving. I don't want anything to do. And so that's what happens. And it says in verse 13, we'll pick up there. It says a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money uh, on wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Never once will you ever go to a hog farm, as I said last week, and look down into that slop or look down into pig feed and say, man, that would be pretty good for lunch. Never once it happened to this guy here. But no one gave him anything. Now, I love verse 17 because this is the key. When he finally came to his senses. Let me just interject this here. What if God sent that great famine to the land? What if God didn't put on anybody's heart to feed him? Because all those negative things that he thought was negative was actually God orchestrating to get him back home to his dad. Can I just say this in your life? 
Sometimes you're, you're wondering why things aren't coming through like they should. You're, you're wondering why, why am I not getting the favor that I wish I would. Sometimes God allows things to push you to a place you never would before. Think about whenever, it, you know, Elijah was being fed by the ravens, right? He was getting bread and he was getting meat fed to him at a river. Boy was hanging out, relaxing by the river, and then the river dried up and it pushed him to the widow at Zarephath who needed him. A lot of times in our salvation story, and even post-salvation story, when we're living for Jesus, God uses those things to get us to come to our senses. It says, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off. Remember next week, the patient, the loving, the father filled with compassion. It says this, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine, watch this, was dead. In both of their eyes, they were dead to each other. And this also translates uh, to the gospel. And now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. See, the purpose of this here, and when you look at this part of the story, as we dive into the prodigal son himself, we have to understand this. We have a lot in common with that son. That when you look at this story, put yourself in his shoes. And that's what I want to do today. I want us to find ourselves in the story Jesus was telling. Don't apply this to somebody you know. Don't apply this to somebody you wish would get saved. Don't apply this to anybody else. Like, you know, you listen to sermons, you're like, man, they, they really need to hear that. Today, I want you to zero in, and I want you to find yourself in this story. And if you do, I believe today on Resurrection Sunday that God will do something amazing in your heart. So if you're taking notes, here's what we have to understand from the story, the parable of the prodigal son is this. The gospel is that God embraces the traitor and the rebel when they come, ha come home. The gospel is this, is that God embraces the traitor and the rebel when they come home. The truth of the matter is this. You are a traitor and you were a rebel. You were an enemy of God. I remember, I've told the story before, that my friend Eric, what kind, of a, what kind of got me to my senses was we were in Wendy's, right? Of all places, God can move anywhere. It wasn't in Chick-fil-A, it was in Wendy's. And I'd not given my life to Christ, and our friend Andy had died. And my friend Eric had given his life to Jesus and was following Jesus, and I tested Eric and I said this. I said, if Andy didn't make it to heaven, nobody made it to heaven. He was a good man. And my friend Eric quoted this. It's the first scripture I ever memorized. It was before I got saved. He said, if Andy did not repent, 
then he didn't get to heaven because he was an enemy of God by the wicked works of his mind. And Kevin, you are as well. And man, I was ticked off of my friend Eric. But that's the truth. That's the gospel. The gospel is, is that we were traitors and rebels and enemies of God. And God loved us and pursued us while we were enemies. So as we look at the prodigal son, there are a few things that we have to take away from the story. A few things I want you to write down this morning in your notes. And the first is this. Here's what we must understand about this story and the gospel. Because what Jesus does here is he shows you a parallel between the gospel and the prodigal son. And here's what it is. The first one is this. We are or were once this prodigal son. We are or, 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 or were this prodigal son. So either today you're watching online and you're not actively following Jesus right now. Maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe somebody has invited you to watch with them and you're doing them a favor. Maybe you just scrolled online and found us. But here's the truth of the matter. Some of you watching this are the prodigal son. You have rejected God. You've rejected living in obedience. You've rejected letting Jesus be your Lord. And you're living your own life and doing it your own way. You are your Lord. And you're relying upon your works to get you to heaven. Some of you in here, that if you're a follower of Jesus... You were that prodigal son. How beautiful is that? This story, that was you. That's the story of the gospel in your life. The next thing you have to realize is this. We all were spiritually dead in our sins. A few times the father says in that story, my son was dead. He was dead. Ephesians says that we were spiritually dead. Before you come to know Christ, your spirit is dead. Uh, realize this, is that in Ephesians it says this, that you were once dead in your sins and trespasses, but God made you alive, right? And so if you don't know Jesus, you're spiritually just dead. You don't have any communion with the Father. You can say you believe in God all you want. You can say you believe in prayer all you want. If you've never been regenerated, if you've never had the story of coming to the Father and saying, Lord, I, I repent, I need you, I want you, I, I receive Christ as my Savior. If you've never done that, you've never been made alive spiritually. And so we were all spiritually dead in our sins. You may say, oh, no, 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 not me. I, I, I grew up go, going to youth group. Oh, no, 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 I, I, I just, man, I've always been to church. But have you ever realized you were dead? Not only the enemy of God, but you were dead in your sins. And the next point is this, we can all be fully forgiven. We can all be fully forgiven. That's what this story shows us. This son did the worst thing that a son in that day and time could do. His father, in most cases, would not have accepted him back. But here's the story of the gospel. You can be fully forgiven. See, we're in this season, in this culture of what we call tolerance. And yes, we should love all people and, and man, be, be care, uh, caring and kind to all people no matter what they do, right? Like, we should be. But here's where the lines get skewed. We have come to this place where we have this hippified Christianity I talk about all the time, right? Where we're riding a unicorn over rainbows and Jesus just throwing out marshmallows saying, man, everything's good. Do what you That's not the gospel. Like this coexist stickers. I believe we should coexist in love with other religions, but all religions are not one. And if you're teaching that or you've been taught that or you're sharing that, here's where, you, here's where you're missing it. It's like saying this, all fuels are the same. 
all fuels are the same. So let me ask you a question. If I go and I put jet fuel in my car, will that be the same as putting unleaded gasoline? And the answer is no. How many of you will go and put diesel fuel in a regular car? Like none of us would do that. That would destroy the car because all fuels aren't the same. And that's what is happening with religion among the world today is we're letting politicians and we're letting celebrities fool us into thinking all religions are one, which, which they're not. If you study world religions, you study them carefully, you'll find out that they all have their idiosyncrasies. They all have their ways to reach God. And I want you to understand this about Christianity. You can be fully forgiven by nothing that you can offer God. You are a dead person. You were an enemy of God, and he chose to pardon you because of his great love and his great sovereignty and his great mercy. And there's no religion in the world that's going to teach you that. It's not all the same fuel. It's not all the same with religions. And we have to understand that this story here is unique to the narrative of Christianity and unique to the narrative of redemption and unique to the narrative of the resurrection of Christ and what that means in our life. And so today I want you to realize this here. This is the difference between other religions and Christianity. Other religions teach you to reach up to God to be accepted. Other religions teach you to reach up to God to be accepted. Do your prayers at three and nine and make sure you kneel the certain way and you got to do this and make sure you're doing that. And you're doing a religious checklist to reach God. To kind of find out who is God and, and, and am I pleasing him and am I doing enough good works to weigh out the balances to get to heaven. And some of you are using Christianity like that. But realize this, the gospel teaches us that God reached down to us through Christ. The gospel teaches us that God reached down to us through Christ. And that's the story that they have the resurrection of Jesus, that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. And the bigger narrative of that is not just the resurrection itself, but in that act, in that moment, look what happens. God reached down from heaven to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. That's the beauty of Christianity. And we often forget that. It gets muddied in this whole culture that we live in. And what I want to do, and what we've been doing each week of this series, is bringing you back to the truth of the gospel, back to the, the pure reality of the gospel. Because that is the one thing that will continue to keep you living for Jesus and keep you on what we call on fire for Jesus, leaned into Jesus, your affection stirred for Jesus when you realize and you're thankful. And that's what we're doing today. We're all celebrating around the world one truth, that Jesus was sent by God to die for our sins and to rise again on the third day so we can be made right with God. We're all celebrating the truth, and here's the truth. The truth is that God reached down to us. I say it all the time and I'll say it again. God didn't shout his love from heaven. God showed his love from heaven. God didn't shout his love. He showed his love from heaven. And that's what we have to remember in our lives. And so here's what we ha have to do. Here's what we have to do. If we lose our memory of being the prodigal child, we will, we will then lose our awe of the gospel. I'm going to say it one more time. Write this down. If we lose our memory of being the prodigal child, then we will lose our awe of the gospel. Remember the Facebook memory thing? Like when you look back, 
at your children or look back at a memory of somewhere you visit or look back at an anniversary or your wedding day if you got married after 2009 or you posted it on Facebook. You look at that and then it brings you to an appreciation of where you're at today. I believe that we can never look back too much at not only the, the gospel, but I believe we can never look back too much on what Jesus Christ did for us personally. See, when I told you that God reached down from heaven, I had to remind myself that God pursued me, that God went after me. Like my, my story, and many of you don't know this, but um, I was considering Christianity because of my dear friend who gave his life to Christ. And I was kind of kicking the tires of it and thinking about it and even had told some of my unsaved friends, I think I might get saved. They're like, what? Get saved? Why? Now, I don't know. Like God was pursuing me. I share my story all the time of all the different people he put in my path and the kind of the weird interactions that I had that were random but not random because God sovereignly did that. He was sovereignly pursuing me. But I'll never forget uh, two days before I got saved. And I don't share this story often, but I want you to understand the power of God reaching down to us and why this matters to me so much. I am, you know, hanging out in Wilmington, North Carolina with my friends. We're doing drugs as we, we usually would do. And I'm going to be honest, I was just tired of the lifestyle. You know, at first, when somebody jumps into that stuff, they think it's fun. Oh, this is great. I'm going to tell you something. It leaves you more empty the longer you do it. And I got to a place that we were all in there, you know, do it, taking hits from the bong. <laughs> got that reference, which we were. And, and we were tripping acid. And I went outside, and I looked up to the heavens. I said, God, if you're real, I'm just tired of this. I want to see this world how you made it. I just want my life to be different. And guys, that's all I knew to say. Like, God, if you're even real, if you even exist. Several hours later, my friends and I were riding down the road, um, and there's some little back roads that carry to your houses in, in Wilmington off Oleander Drive, if you've ever been there. And we're driving down there. As we're driving down, there's a Christian band on the radio, or on the CD, on my CD, called MXPX. And... Uh, they were singing a song where it says, Ephesians verse 2.8 states, God has saved us not by works but by grace. And my friend in the back, and none of these guys were believers, said, man, why are you listening to this Christian blank? I'm like, Christian blank? It had never occurred to me. And as we're driving, man, it's like the words became real. I'm like, whoa, man, these guys are followers of Jesus. And I'm just like driving. We get down to the house. My two best friends and I are sitting there at our table. We're talking about life. And, we'd be, you know, we, and again, we'd tripped acid many times. It wasn't like it was the first time. It's maybe my 20th time doing it. And we're sitting there talking. And as we're talking about life, and I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm going to go to another university, if they'll let me in because I got kicked out of this other one. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to get saved. I don't know. As we're talking, everything goes black. Everything. And it's like I'm in outer space. And I'm like, and, and all I know is I come back to, I'm white as a ghost. My friends look at me. Their eyes are this big. They're white as ghosts. And I said, man, I just had a bad trip, dude. I just had a bad trip. And they looked at me and said, no, bro. Listen what just happened. That just happened to me too. At the same time, all of us had this thing happen to us where we all had the same experience of like being in eternity or outer space, and we all came back to it at the same time. And I said, man, I think some type of spirit did this to us. What was that? They're like, I don't know. I, mean, I said, I think it was God. And like we were shaken. We were so convicted of our sins. I know now that's what it was, the Holy Spirit. And I gave them volume, and we took volume, and we could not talk to each other about what had happened. 
And the next night, I'm at a party with them. We were shaking, man, and we're listening to Highway to Hell at a party. Everybody's like, yeah, we're going to party in hell. And I literally said to everybody there, I said, you know what? I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. And they're like, what? The? I mean, it just like, you know, you ever seen those commercials? When it's like uh, about, the, you know, the, the, um, the salsa, you know? It's like New York City. It's like everything went zoop. And that Sunday, as I said, last week I told you about me driving home, and as I'm driving, I'm looking at churches just wishing they would embrace a, a young skateboarder with leopard print hair, and I knew they wouldn't. I went home that evening and opened the Bible up and just began to read the red words of Jesus. God reached down from heaven. And that Monday night, I go to church, and I give my life to Christ. Friends, that's what the resurrection does. It can take somebody who's an enemy and a traitor and make them someone who's in love with Jesus and transform their life. And so that's what we have to do. We cannot forget that time in our life. If we do, church becomes entertainment. We live in our emotions. Sermons become pop culture teachings, and we lose the awe of being rescued. So how do we do that? How do we not lose the awe of that? And here's how we do this. We do this, and watch this. We do this by making every day Easter in our lives or Resurrection Sunday. We do this by making every day Easter. It's so sad that most churches only talk about the resurrection one day a year, and they're wondering why people struggle so much. Wondering why people fall by the wayside because we spend one, you need to make every day Easter. You need to make every sunrise you see that comes up. And I do this, a sunrise service. We don't need to just stop and do it one day a year. We need to do it 365 days a year where we're thankful of the awe of being rescued. And so here's what we have to do. How do we do this? How do we make Easter every day in our lives? It's a big ask that I'm asking you this morning. But here's how we do it. Here's what this means. You have to do this daily, verbalize your gratefulness. I believe far too often we're so focused on everything that's wrong in our life. We're, right? Did, did you stop when the sun rose? If you even saw it rose, maybe you didn't. And say, man, thank you, Lord, so much for rescuing me. Thank you so much that you picked me when I had nothing to offer you. I mean, why would God go after? There were a lot of people at my college and the university I went to that looked the better part. They were morally pretty good people. And he picked this random guy who just could not stay out of trouble. I am grateful for that because I don't deserve to be here saying anything to you. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up reading the Bible. I didn't grow up in any of that. I don't deserve it. Do you verbalize your gratefulness daily for the resurrection of Jesus and for the gospel that God reached down for you? The second thing is this. Don't forget that you could not have saved yourself with your works. I'm convinced that in Christianity, this is an epidemic. And why do I say that? Because it was important to Jesus. Do you know in that story, Jesus talked about the elder brother and what the elder brother did was this. And watch this, how it parallels the gospel. You have the prodigal son who goes and says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Like, can I just like, come just work as a hired servant? The prodigal son was contrite. He was broken. He was humble. He was repentant. That's not a bad word. That's not like some word that, you know, old school preachers made up. Jesus used that word. 
He was repentant. Many of us, I believe, are like the elder brother, where we're justifying our goodness to God by our works. Well, I've always stayed beside you. I've always done this. That's what the elder brother did. Well, you know, I've never, I've never done this. I've never done that. And he was talking about how good he was while he looked at the prodigal son. Some of you look at people that live other lifestyles that, that aren't as good as you, and you are justifying your goodness and your right, righteousness to God because you don't do that. By God, I'm not that lifestyle. By God, I don't do that. And you are self-righteous. And self-righteousness is one of the sins that Jesus came to destroy. It saddens the heart of God because either you're going to be self-righteous based on what you don't do. And some of you are like, no, 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 I'm very thankful. But why do you keep going after these other people who don't know Jesus and are living different lifestyles than you agree with? Because you're inwardly prideful and you're inwardly self-righteous. That's what the elder brother was. And we believe deep down inside that it's Jesus plus our works will get us to heaven. And I say it over and over again because there are people at Thrive Church that genuinely believe that, that, that mass will save them, that praying to relics will save them, that doing the certain rosary beads will save them, and none of that can do anything for you. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And you have to embrace that. That is what the resurrection is, is that you were dead and now you're alive and you had very, very little to do with it. Matter of fact, the only thing you brought was sin and belief. And here's the final point on this Resurrection Sunday. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how you make Easter every day in your life. That you, every day can be Easter. Embrace the Father because He has fully embraced you. He has fully embraced you. Do, do you understand the power of that? Well, yeah, you, but you, you don't know. If you look at my internet browser history, I don't know if God fully embraces me, Kevin. He fully embraces you. You come to God just like that prodigal son. Say, God, I am a sinner. I have nothing to offer you. My righteousness is filthy rags to you. God embraces you, and you should embrace the Father. Some of you are not leaning into your relationship with Jesus because you don't believe the Father has fully embraced you. You don't believe you're good enough. You believe that because of what you have done or you are doing, that God's got you in time out. And when you straighten it all up, then God's going to embrace you. Friends, that's not the gospel. That's a man-made religion. My prayer is this, that on Resurrection Sunday, some of you would fully embrace the Father. The Father ran to the Son. God's running to you. He embraced Him and He kissed Him. Tears streaming down His face and through a party. That's how God feels about you. God loves you so much in spite of you. God loves you so much with everything that's going on. So my prayer is this this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just pray for you that like you would embrace God, that you would just look at the resurrection of Jesus and say, God, the empty tomb, I come empty hand to you. Thank you for rescuing me. And that would spark your faith. The second thing is this. Some of you don't know Jesus in here. 
you're watching this online and you've walked away from your faith and you think, man, I'll get my life right one day. There's no getting your life right. It is making one decision and that's that's coming to God just like that prodigal son did. And you can do it anywhere. You can do it right now. You, you can kneel down in your living room. You can kneel down beside, if you're on your couch, beside your couch and say, God, forgive me and thank you for embracing me. God, help me embrace you. I receive Christ as my Lord. You can do that right now where you're at. That's my prayer for you. So let's do it, church. Let's make Easter every day in our lives.